0: Time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. 2018 Hope and Chris finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures, thus keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode... While the Rebels plot to attack the Imperial Stronghold on Lothal, Grand Admiral Thrawn discovers their location of their secret base, leading to an epic clash. There will be... Hashtag Hot Callous! Bendude Shitstorms, man! And a clash for the ages as the Battle for Adalon unfurls. We're talking Zero Hour this week, aka the Season 3 finale! How you doing, Chris?
2: All the... Ben dude's mellow energy's gone, man. Man, and he's And Callus like... is sweating his ass off.
1: <laughs> and bruising his ass off. <laughs> oh, ooh, no, no. He only bruises his ass when Zeb's involved. Ooh. Hi. <laughs> just a long silence that followed that.
2: <laughs> Hope, lo- Hope loves a Callus in distress.
1: Ah, oh, I do, I do. Very much so. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. Uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> but yeah this this is going to be a long one folks Uh, we gotta strap it on this one cause, well it's a finale you know lots of finales though fuck I was looking at season 4 the first 4 episodes are fucking two parters and I was like come on season 4 chill out for half a second
2: <laughs> yeah know- no they were they were getting they were widening up the story you know
1: I know, I know, I I, uh, I remember that though because all of season four they released each episodes in pairs of two because it's it's something like twelve episodes and they did twelve episodes in six weeks, which some of them made sense like Jedi Knight and Doom which Kanan died in Jedi Knight and Doom was the following episode like those made sense together but other ones I'm just like can we can we just slow down a bit. Rebels is ending too fast for me. Slow down, slow down, slow down, please, 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 slow down.
2: <laughs> well, you know we can always do them as separate episodes. Hope you know.
1: I think for the you open. Know what I'm yeah, we'll figure it out when we get there. Anyway, we're not there yet. <laughs> so what would you think of uh, zero hour?
2: Oh, geez, all payoff. Are you kidding me? This was all this. You know, I'll I, I, I'll have i, I Maybe a couple little quibbles here and there. I don't really think I do. I'll say some mean things about Thrawn, but...
1: Uh, yeah, i Those just... are
2: baked into Thrawn episodes. But for the most part, this one is just payoff after... It's, it's you know, it's a nice little culmination.
1: I, I have some quibbles, too. It's beautiful.
2: Right?
1: yeah. This is, this might be one of my favorite, like, I, I actually think I have a note somewhere where I'm just like, why couldn't trust do this?
2: <laughs> it's a, Well, this is all dusk and storms and and deep, bright, deep colors. It's just gorgeous.
1: Well, are you ready to get into it? I am. All right. <clears throat> Listeners, we hope you're having a good week, but we have a lot to get through. So uh, Chris, yes, no, good week?
2: Sure. Why Yay. not?
1: Hey, goodrich, Launched a Patreon, so if you want to go to my Patreon, uh, it's Yeah. All
2: I'll say is I'm a busy little beaver. That's we're
1: a, both very busy beavers, so. man. This is I worked nine hours today, and now this is part of that, so by the time we're done with yeah. this podcasting, I'm going to be working 11 hours today, man.
2: Yeah. Woo. I did three podcasts yesterday.
1: Yeah. All right. Zero hour?
2: Yep. I'm right. ready.
0: <clears throat>
1: Zero Hour is the 58th and 59th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on March 25th, 2017. It was written by Stephen Melching, Matt Michnovitz, and Henry Gilroy, and it was directed by Justin Ridge, who is the producer of Star Wars Resistance. Extra information for you. Michael Bell is the voice of General Dodonna. His other works include voicing General Willard Willard in Star Wars A New Hope, Rugrats, the Smurfs, Snorks, and Michael Bell is considered as known for being one of the most prominent voices of 1980s cartoons.
2: Just so you know, Scott Gardner and I, when Snorks were on when we were kids, we never called it Snorks. We just called it. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) We're like, look, son.
1: Oh, that's very cute. This episode marks the series debut of the Imperial Death Troopers, who were first designed and seen in Rogue One. Because Rogue One and this season of Rebels were both created around the same time, they were able to collaborate a bit on on the design. But animation has to make earlier and finite choices sooner than live action. So Rebels worked off of concept artwork, so the Death Troopers are just slightly different than their final Rogue One counterparts. General Dodonna's forces are called the Massassi Group. The name was fr- is from the ancient temples found on Yavin 4. And blah, blah, blah. The name comes from ancient temples found on Yavin 4. This name dates back to the original screenplay for A New Hope. This brings an end to Phoenix Squadron and the destruction of their ships, their capital ships, the loss of Adalon, and the death of Commander Sato. This is my favorite note, you guys. <laughs> my favorite one. After this episode aired... Hashtag Hot Callus was trending on Twitter for the rest of the night. At at the Season 4 Rebels panel at the following Star Wars celebration, Dave Filoni jokingly said that he believes his team started that hashtag as they were all obsessed with Hot Callus. He went on to say that Callus's one strand of hair in this episode was very expensive to animate, so he hopes everyone was really happy with it. My favorite. Dave,
2: Hope was very happy with it.
1: I, I actually remember that night, like, after Zero Hour aired, like, and watching Hot Callus, like, just kind of trend more and more, and, like, rays go higher and higher on on the uh, trending thing, because you could tell, like, who was actually part of this, because I think it broke the top ten, if I remember correctly, and you could see, if you clicked on the hashtag, like, people were like, what the fuck is a callus? And, like, there were people who are not in Star Wars, they are like, what the hell is a callus? What is this?
0: <laughs>
2: I know, it sounds like a sandwich you get covered with gravy at a truck stop.
1: Get your
2: hot callus here.
1: Oh, yeah. Zeb will eat that gravy sandwich. Anyway, in
2: Rebels
1: Recon for this this episode, (laughs) they discuss the Bindu and how he doesn't really represent a specific point of view being in the middle. He just insists and he's able to comment on the nature of existence without taking sides. He doesn't represent human intentions or human goals. He represents something immaterial and bigger than all of us. Dave Filoni added that Bindu's ultimate goal is just to sleep. And I feel that on a very deep level. But he keeps getting woken up and has to deal with all this human bullshit. Dave talks about the importance of having a character that's vastly past the other characters' knowledge for insight. But he will not solve all of their problems. Dave says that Bindu pushes all the characters in the right way. And that goes for Thrawn as well. They talked about the Bindu storm and how it was easy for him to turn into a storm. The hard part was selling to the audience that Bindu could actually turn into a storm. Storm Bindu came from a photo that Dave only took driving to work one day. It was of the sun breaking through the clouds and it looked like eyes. Dave showed it to his team and went, and went, that's Bindu. And they said Storm Bindu was the hardest thing to animate up to this point because it was a mix of both animation and special effects.
2: I thought they were going to say that, like, it it was like, because it looked like car headlights a little bit. I thought he was going to say, like, his Jeep, like, was headlights were going through the fog or something.
1: No, they're talking about how, like, when the sun was coming through the clouds, it looked very organic. And uh, it it looked like it was actually eyes in the air. Um, And they they went on to, like, kind of, like, what kind of effects they used. Like, they were using effects like mixing... Uh, Killian Plunkett, who is the art director, was talking about how Bindu is a callback to old 80s uh, puppeteering anyway. So when they made Storm Bindu, they wanted it to look like 80s effects, even though they were making it in 2017. And so they they were trying to make the clouds look like when you dump ink into a fish tank and swirl it around, like that's what that was the effects they were trying. That's to That's how do. They, they used to it.
2: do it in the old days, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they were trying to make it look like very 80s when they were doing the effects of Storm Bindu. So there,
2: there was a little bit of uh, if anybody's ever seen the movie uh, Forbidden Planet, there was a little bit of the Id creature, to him too.
1: Yeah. So, and finally, Dave Filoni went on to talk about Thrawn, and he had a very Alex Hirsch take on the character. See my website, Geeky Girl Experience, and our new podcast over there, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons on the site for more details. Yes, that is a self-promotion. Chris and I have another podcast, guys. Go check out Geeky Girl Experience. Anyway, Dave Filoni was asked if writing Thrawn was a challenge for a kid's show. And Dave answered that he trusts that kids will always understand Thrawn's intention, even if they don't always understand every single thing that he's saying. Dave said that kids are smart enough to follow along with it.
2: He's right.
1: You know who's also smart enough to follow along with Thrawn? I don't
0: know. Oh, who's your following? Hmm. Hope they have nice butt. (laughs) It's the bindu. It's the bindu butt. Oh, yeah, big butt. Cannot lie. lie. No, no, many other jedi's could deny. Oh,
1: I thought you were gonna say other bindus can't deny.
0: Many people will throw out a bindu, but Yoda will pick it up, take it Mm -hmm.
1: home. Well, you don't want none unless you got bindu, son. You can do Mm -hmm. sevens or sit-ups. At least you got that bindu. Anyway, hi, hi Yoda, how you doing this week?
0: Ooh, not bad.
1: Yeah, you know, it's springtime, the weather's getting nicer. Is the, we- is the weather getting nicer on, on... What, where do you live? Dagobah,
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> weather's always same on Dagobah. Swamp.
1: Well, you know, there's rain swamp. swamp. There's not rain swamp. There's fog swamp.
0: Mm, there's wet swamp, wetter swamp, soggy swamp, mm, drippy swamp. Mm-hmm.
1: You sound like, like the that character from Forrest Gump.
0: Mm, clammy swamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: cold swamp.
0: Slimy swamp. Cold swamp. Moist swamp. Uh, dank swamp. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> dark, swamp.
0: Da- dark swamp. Dark swamp. Dark swamp.
1: Just... Bug swamp.
0: Mm, mosquito. Swamp.
1: Just hearing you say mosquito in Yoda's voice, is cute. <laughs> mosquito. Yoda's
0: got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yoda will not say the poem that Yoda knows about mosquitoes.
1: I'm intrigued now.
0: <laughs> Yoda will not say.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm throwing out my question that I wrote, because I what's I want. I have a new question. What's the poem about mosquitoes?
0: Yoda? Oh, a question. Okay, well, Yoda answers the question. Mm. Uh, a mosquito is on Yoda's Peter. Whack it off. <laughs> oh, it's old Jedi song.
1: All right, Yoda. We'll see you next week.
2: Bye. <laughs> I... Jesus. I remember I... that song from kindergarten.
1: I had like a whole like hot hashtag hot callous question for Yoda, but I I kind of walked into that one and you know
2: we used to have whole whole I I remember there were whole crowds of kids on in girls included because I don't know if half of I mean we were real little kids I don't know if half of them even knew what the song was but they would sing There's a skeeter on my Peter whack it off over and oh. over again <laughs> and you would have all these little kids singing that in the in the yeah.
1: It, they would never let us sing that on the playground.
2: And I can't remember. Th- th- it was like, there's a skeeter on my Peter, and da, da 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 There's a skeeter on my Peter. whack it off. But I can't remember what the other part of it was. So if anybody out there remembers that, that little dirty childhood ditty, I would, no. I would surely like to know the rest of that song. Let's see. So I could teach it to the youth of tomorrow.
1: Oh, Wikipedia, okay. Uh, well, now I can't find it. Wikipedia yeah. didn't have it.
2: I mean, I would say, I, I, like my brain wants to say, and there's really nothing sweeter, but there isn't anything sweeter about that, so I don't know. Maybe it's an, maybe like I could add that as an ironic twist to the song, but I'd like to know the original lyrics.
1: There's a skeeter on my Peter, whack it off. There's a skeeter on my Peter, whack it off. There's a dozen on my cousin. I can hear the bastards buzz. And there's a skater on my finger. Whack him off.
2: Is that off Wikipedia? Or did you just make that up?
1: No, it's on eLyrics.net.
2: Oh, I like that. I've never heard. That is totally unfamiliar to me. But, I, you know, I'm sure they're, I'm sure it's all regional variations.
0: There ah. you go.
1: Good job, eLyrics.net. You made Chris happy.
2: You made my day. <laughs>
1: All right, well, you ready to get into this, Act 1?
2: Oh, I sure am.
1: <laughs> all right. Ah, yes. Act 1. We open on the fall where things are about to get sexy. That's because Blue Husband O'Thron is landing on the planet, and is meeting up with Governor Ari Price and Constantine, King of Hubris, first of his name. He has urgent news, and they're all about to head to what I assume is Ari's office. Alexander Kallis is watching from above on of them. I did not plan those lyrics, but we're gonna get through this on time. Kallis is watching. He uses his program Mouse Droid to go into the tunnels and hide out in the vents to listen in on the conversation. Thrawn starts locking down the office and the windows as precaution. And Constantine is like, Ugh, you're so paranoid and so. Stupid. and Thrawn is like man I can't wait for you to get blown up soon for not following orders I wonder if that will happen in the next 42 minutes Thrawn turns on the transmission and there's fucking Tarkin on Skype and Farkin is like don't you ever make me wait that long again you jerk and Thrawn says that it was totally worth the wait because he says that Phoenix Phoenix Squadron is about to launch a huge military attack and all of the full-of-themselves Imperials are like, oh, They wouldn't dare. They're just pathetic farmers and hillbillies who are playing military. And Thrawn is like, How the hell have you guys won the war this long? God. Blue Husbando says that they're going to target the TIE Defender Factory on Lothal. General Dadana is heading over to give Space Mom and Commander Sato some backup. The problem is, they don't know where the rebel base is to stop them. Farkin wants Thrawn... Farkin wants Thrawn for some reason is very difficult for me to say. Farkin wants Thrawn to capture Hera and Sato. And Thrawn is like, Yeah, I can't make any promises. And Farkin is like, That's cool, bro. Murder them all if you have to. But I'd rather m- have you make examples out of their leadership. And then Farkin ha- hangs up. Over at the rebel base on Adalon... Ezra is all starry-eyed at his space mom's work. They're finally gonna help Lothal and he's so excited about it. Kanan said that a lot of it was Ezra too. He's put in just as much work, and Space Dad is proud. But Ezra doesn't see it that way. If it wasn't for the Space family, he'd still be a street rat sh- he'd still be a street rat Aladdin type. And now he's like a Luke Skywalker Aladdin type. And Kanan says that Ezra's always been special, to the point where Kanan had doubts about teaching him. He wonders if he had anything else to teach him at all. You know, season one. <laughs> Ezra's like, um, d- dad, you taught me about about force stuff, but you also taught me about life stuff. Y- you taught me how to make space waffles, and how to do my taxes by not doing my taxes, and you taught me how to talk to girls. I'm still working on the girl stuff, but... You're my dad! Woogie wookiee, wookie, wookiee, Woogie That's a young people joke from Vine that Chris does not get, probably. <laughs> You're my dad! Wookie, Definitely, wookie, not. Wookie.
2: Definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not.
1: I'll send you the video. Anyway, Hera tells them that it's time to get started. General Tadana is arriving, and they gotta get ready. Commander Sato greets them, and they're all eager to kick some Imperial ass. Meanwhile, on Lothal... Callus oh sorry, I'm getting excited, this is like my favorite scene. Callus takes a speeder out to Ezra's old home in the radio tower. He starts up a message to get and he gets out half a warning before the radio acts all weird. And then suddenly, Thrawn kicks in the door going Hello. It's been four episodes. I can finally say it. I gotcha. And then Callus and Thrawn get in a sexy fist fight you guys that i most certainly watched like five times and i have watched this scene over and over again on youtube for like multiple times for like the last three years i mean (laughs) all you gotta do now is just like lose their shirts and like throw some baby oil on them like yes it's so good oh my god anyway cow smashes thrawn's message scrambler thingy what (laughs) i'm allowed to be thirsty on my own podcast (laughs) i'm allowed though i do make you put up with it so thank you for putting it up, up up with it chris thank you so much Cal smashes thrawn's message scrambler thingy with his half a message uh what did i write there Kallus smashes Thrawn's message scrambler thingy. His half-a-message warning gets out, and Callus says the one thing to Thrawn that Chris says to, says every Thrawn episode. You talk too much!
2: He talked <laughs> too much.
1: Yeah. But Thrawn lays down a beatdown and captures Kallus, and he finally has Agent Fulcrum in his grasp. Now that he has where Kallus has sent the transmission... Thrawn is able to Thrawn's plane out where the rebel base is by overlaying the transmission area with some old ass artwork. And there he finds Adalon, and he tells Constantine to send the fleet there, and Callus looks on in horror and hopes his boyfriend Zeb will be okay. What'd you think of that one? Pretty good. Pretty good.
2: Stuff's hitting hard and fast.
1: <laughs> yeah they are. They're hitting each other hard and fast. Oh
2: jeez. Oh jeez. Well, it's it's always good to see Dadana. And it's funny because Dadana's voice, and I always noticed this in the original trilogy too. And remember how we were talking I think a couple episodes back about how how long Nekma had the same sort of that monotone speech that the that the Queen Amidala and her oh people had maybe maybe if you're a gruff general in the in the rebellion you have that sort of that's that mcgruff the crime dog voice (laughs) both and they both both didana and and akbar both sort of like have the same not not just the same sort of voice but the same sort of barky speech patterns and i and i always find that amusing but, this is slightly,
1: uh, slightly more old man, but gruff old man.
2: My, my other note is this is basically an action. I mean, both episodes, this is basically, you know, payoff and a lot of action. But it's also the lovey-dovey episode. And uh, I'm not talking about the Callous and Thrawn's wrestling match. I'm talking about everybody's... everybody's uh, I'm using the uh, Princess Bride rule on this episode. And everybody's telling everybody how much they love them. And in and in, in this first part we get the first admission of love from uh Thrawn to Tarkin as he said, as you wish, Tarkin.
1: Oh <laughs> I was yeah. so confused of where that was going. No. Oh yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Now. That's
2: that's we're get we we see a lot of admissions of love in this in this episode and this is the I... first one and then we find out like I I never knew that about those two I'm not saying that they well you know I well you know I don't know if it goes if it goes both ways because we 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 know about Tarkin as a matter of fact Dario just sent me from a certain point of view so I can read that and uh yeah so uh so we know about Tarkin but you know it might be a, a, a platonic kind of love but you know it's it's just odd to hear Imperials that feel comfortable saying that to each other. So I'll be noting some more of these as the episodes go on. I That's was, all I got.
1: When you were like, we're going with Princess Bride rules. I was like, I'm so confused. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here and let Chris finish his point because I have no idea what he's I talking I busted
2: about. Some, a long time ago, probably like 30, 25 years ago, I busted I busted a girl at work who I knew had a crush on me because she was princess briding me. I got a couple of as you wishes out of her, and I was like, mm, okay, I know what that means. Aww. Totally busted her, and she blushed.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, um, as for my note, my first note says, pick and waffle. Let me explain. Because <laughs> I know what this means.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: In the book Thrawn Treason, we're introduced to two of Thrawn's Death Troopers, and we actually get to know them a little bit. So the Death Troopers that we see in this episode, and their names, I kid you not, Timothy Zahn gave them their names. Their names are Pick and Waffle, (laughs) and I'm not making enough. And it's actually really great because like, the Death Troopers, uh, you kind of learn more about them. And they're, they're, I don't want to say full lobots, but their brains have been reprogrammed a little bit. So they're kind of like a mesh of like human and a little bit of cloning cuz like their their brains have been altered for them just to be like the best of the best. And there's a character in the book called Ronan and he's Director Krennic's um like second in command and Ronan's like your names are Pick and Waffle and Waffle's just like you have a problem with that? I know how to kill you. And he's like no, no, Waffle's Waffle's a great name. I like I like that name. <laughs> So now for the rest of this episode, whenever I refer to the Death Troopers, they will be called Pick and Waffle because in my head.
2: It sounds like some tavern in an alternate universe, England or something. The pick, the old Pick and Waffle.
1: It's just so great because you'll be like, and then Waffle grabbed the man by his neck and crushed it. And I'm like, Waffle!
2: The syrup squeezed out of the man's neck as (laughs) Waffle crushed him flat.
1: Like, like I, I have issues at times with Timothy Zahn's writing. Like, I like him, but I do have issues. He's but from Belgium, in too, while... you know. What?
2: He's from Belgium, too.
1: Oh, is he really?
2: Yeah, he's a Belgian waffle.
1: <laughs> but like, wow,
2: Hope, you just walked into that one I, I so you easily. That about... was so bad. Oh no, my I God. Thought you
1: were t- no, I thought you were saying that Timothy Zahn was from Belgium. No. And I was like, Zahn? Oh, I guess that's kind of an Eastern name. But no, like, sounds the, like
2: a Belgian name to me. But, but you no, know, Waffle's but, the name that sounds Belgian to me.
1: But, like, the thing I was on is, like, I, I do take issues with some of his writing sometimes, but sometimes he just gives us wonderful things, like naming a Death Trooper Waffle. And well, I'm you know,
2: like, I mean, a lot I of, you it. know... A lot of times it might be so, a reference to somebody he knows, or maybe his cat was named Waffle or something, or maybe he was just in the morning trying to think of a name while he what? was uh, it's a using his Death Trooper, using his water pick on his teeth, and he's like, "What is this guy's name going to be?" Pick. And then he went downstairs, and his wife's, he's, "What's for breakfast? We got waffles." I'm done. I'm done. I know. Day's work is done.
1: I love it. I mean, every once in a while, like Timothy Zahn just gives us like pure crack and I'm just like, Am I reading a fan fiction right now? And I love it. Um, I'm gonna do my next my next small note before I get into my bigger note, which is oh the callus and Thrawn fight.
2: No. Oh. Oh uh,
1: it's so good.
2: I saw I, it and I'm like, Oh uh, I yep, I yep. Uh, <laughs>
1: But I, I actually really like that fight. Like I know to I think some point later, but like no fucks to give callus is probably my favorite callus because the gig is up. He's been found out. He has yep. no fucking fucks to give. And he's just like, you know what, Thrawn? Fuck you. I'm gonna punch you in the face now.
2: <laughs> he's now a man without a country.
1: I know. I just no fucks to give callus is my favorite. And I just I just the lost love
2: cat him. is out of the bag.
1: It is, it is, and I just love the whole like they're they're I they're like just like ah ah Anyway, (laughs) I love the fight. That's actually one of my like top scenes in Rebels. I love that fight. Oh my god! All right, so my only other note is I really like this opening scene with Kanan and Ezra because there's not really a lot of emotional parts of this episode, of these two episodes because they're just so jam packed with action. but I like this quiet moment because it felt like a lot of um, a lot of callback to to season one. And you can kind of see how, how far both of them have come because like Ezra's still a little unsure. But like e- Kanan's come so far as a master that even when Ezra is doubting some of his skills and his stuff and his, the stuff he's done, Kanan is still there to back him up. And I like that they made that distinction between life stuff and force stuff. Because, like, Kanan, Kanan was talking about the Force. Like, I I don't know, I was never, I never finished my training. I don't know uh, if I can even teach you. And, Kanan, and Ezra's like, you're pretty much my dad. Like, you taught me way more than just the Force. And I like that they made that distinction. Because it still has the Jedi-ness of it, but it also still has the space family element that we've come to love. So I, I think that's, a. I really like that scene. It's a nice little opening scene for them.
2: I also felt that scene, like set up the possibility that Kanan might not make it, you know, uh, you know, just a little bit. It was, it it added a little closure of like that, like Kanan was thinking, you know, this is a good time to get everything squared up because we'd never know how this is going to turn out. I'm going to go like, talk to Bendu as a last ditch effort and blah, blah, blah. So I've, I've actually kind of
1: noticed that like now knowing like when Kanan dies in season four, like he's had You're not a
2: worried of... about it now, but like probably no, no, no. when we were it's watching it not this that. time, we were...
1: it's not that. Like there's foreshadowing this early. Like a couple, oh, episodes... yeah. a couple episodes ago, I think it was with Sabine. I th- I think it was the Sabine episode where they go to her family. He says something to Sabine of like
2: not... kind of cryptic, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and it was it was it was to either him or Ezra, and he was just like, you know, I've I've t- I'm. I'm getting you guys set up for when, for when we're not around. Right. He says something like that, and now knowing like he does die, and we know that Kanan's gonna yeah, die. Yeah, no,
2: I, I think Kanan has an idea it's coming, but he doesn't. He's yeah. I think as we go on in the story, maybe we can sort of, if we can remember, talking about this from episode to episode but see maybe you know like right now he might be like yeah you know I can feel that like my time might be close but he doesn't know exactly when or what's going to happen and as it gets closer he probably starts knowing more and more you yeah, know what's going to happen
1: there's definitely a distinction when we get to around Jedi night where he cuts his hair and he knows it's coming
2: yeah 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 yeah.
1: it makes me wonder yeah yeah yeah, he- yeah. It's also wrapped up so well because it's kind of like a dad letting his kids go off to college kind of feeling, too. So it's it's actually hidden quite well. Right,
2: and right. It can play yeah. as several different things. But I, you know, I was watching this and as if I was like, if I didn't know there was another season of this, I, w- I would be thinking, well, <laughs> these two might not see each other again, you know?
1: Yeah. But it's, it makes me wonder, I kind of want to go back and like... After he's blinded, because Kanan definitely gets more spiritual after he's blinded, and he has a little bit of a course correction of his character. Not a, oh, I shouldn't say course correction. It's not a course correction. It's uh, he, His character just kind of gets a little extra spiritual air, and I'm wondering if it's even, like, much further, like, way earlier in the season that he starts kind of picking up on this, because he he definitely has a much deeper connection connection to the Force than he's ever had before, so.
2: yeah.
1: But, that's all I had for Act 1. Did you have anything else?
2: No, let's hit Act 2.
1: Alright. Act 2. Our heroes are all gathered together, getting ready to launch their big mission. Hera plays Kallus' half a message, but they're all confused because it's half a message. But when Ryder Azadi says that all the Imperial ships left Lothal, Hera realizes that Thrawn knows where their base is. Just as she tells them to put the base into battle positions, Commander Sato, who is up in space, sees a bunch of Star Destroyers come out of hyperspace. Thrawn's forces start locking everything down from transmissions to blocking their path. Hera gives the order to evacuate the ground forces. They just have to get out of there. Ezra is upset that they won't be able to launch an attack to liberate Lothal. But you know what? They just gotta live another day first. Dodonna is the first to try and leave. And as his ship jumps into hyperspace, it suddenly gets ripped out and thrown back into real space. Commander Sato realizes that the Empire brought an interdictor ship ju- with them, just like he saw back in Season 2. There is no escape as long as that ship is there. They have no choice but to face Thrawn now. Thrawn arrives with Price and Ari, who are the same person. Thrawn arrives at Governor Price, and they have Kalos captured on the bridge behind them. Price is all giddy and ready to maul and kill people today. She just wants to have the best time, you guys. But Thrawn is being more careful, trying, you know, to follow Tarkin's orders and get some prisoners for Tarkin. And Thrawn skypes our heroes like, Hello, everyone. Aw, what a cute little base you have. You guys have worked so hard on this. Too bad I'm about to absolutely destroy you. I hope you rebels had fun playing war because now I'm going to show you how it's done. And he Z snaps and hangs up on them. Hera realizes... That Thrawn thinks that this is the entire Rebel fleet. For once Thrawn's information is wrong and she makes a plan that if they can just get one ship past the Interdictor then they can call for help and bring the rest of the fleet to bail them out. The rest of them just need to hold tight as long as they can. Hera commands Ezra and Kanan to take Maul's sweet new ride that they got last episode but Space Husband does not want to leave his space wife. You know because they love each other. And Hera points out that they're Jedi, therefore they have the best chance of escaping and saving everyone. And she orders them to take Chopper too. But as they're getting ready to leave, Kanan pulls Spacewife aside and he says that he needs to warn a friend out in the woods. And Hera's like, wait, you have a friend out in the woods? Like, like I get wanting to warn him, but we're kind of in a, in a time crunch here, love. And Ezra's, and Ezra, and Kanan's like, I'm gonna get help. It's just a different kind of help. And Ezra's like, yeah, good luck with that. He's kind of like, hey, man, peace and love and stuff. Kanan, I don't think you're going to get him to help. But Kanan's sure that he can get help from the Ben dude. And Hera's like, you know what? Whatever. We have to get out of here before Thrawn blows us all up. Ezra, get help from space. Kanan, get help from your weird hippie friend in the woods. And they all split up. In the ghost, Zepp and Grunkle Rex are getting ready to fight, reminiscing about fishing for jupas. But this isn't Rex's first rodeo, and they all prepare for battle. And the battle for Adelon begins. And I'm gonna cut it right here because the rest of part one is just a big old fight <laughs> for the rest of the episode. So.
2: Pretty much.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, pretty much, I, I got it. I stopped it at the point where Hera went up and joined them. So.
2: I have a what note here. Well, here, uh, Well, I'll tell you what I think. Mm. My first <laughs> note is uh, Thrawn does talk too much. I don't know exactly what it was he said, but he said some shit in that in that part that maybe... I, oh,
1: I wonder if it's the line where he's like, I'm not sur- accepting surrenders today, or the, at last, we meet in this theater of war. Just
2: general attitude. I don't like it. It's so full of himself. He's so I arrogant. Said I'd He thinks he's, like, so cool, but he's not...
1: I wrote, Thrawn, you're such an extra bitch.
2: He he, he plays it all up, but, like, if you're going to play it all up, man, if you're going to be David Lee Roth, man, you better be able to do the backflips. You know what I'm saying, man? Anyway, and my only other note is part two of the love fest. This time we find out some more surprising love. This time we find out it's Constantine who says to Thrawn, as you wish
1: it's a hate love
2: i'm going into my paul c kelly voice yeah as you wish Thrawny baby says constantine constantine and thron sitting in a space tree space k-i-s-s-i-n-g so or, or they just love each other as as fellow you know warriors and officers but yeah The Princess Bride love goes on in this episode. Did not know that this was such a steamy episode of Rebels. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm just sitting here to see how long you go.
2: (laughs) That's that's (laughs) all I got for part one. Sorry, I was stretching it out a little bit.
1: No, no, I was like just sitting back, hitting my vape, just going, let's see how long Chris takes this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well... As I said, my first note, I always love Thrawn's line of, I'm not accepting surrenders at this time. And I also love his line, His it's so extra that the way he says it, like Lars Mikkelsen like, delivers it like in such an extra bitch way when he's like, at last we meet in this theater of war. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're such a nerd. I love you.
2: Oh, the theater of war, huh, dude? That's cool. what's what's playing at the theater of war huh
1: (laughs) it's it's so extra and i love it
2: (laughs) do we are there any cartoons before the movie in the theater of war can i have some popcorn dude that's cool
1: i'm glad you mentioned cartoons because i my my other small note is chris you now know why i call him grunkle rex
2: yes i do i do so And I'm gonna be in that up ep- in that show calling him Grunkle Rex all the time.
1: You already have.
2: I know, I've already done it. I did it in the first episode. It's <laughs> gonna be so hard because I learned yeah, I learned the variation rather than the original first and it's hard to hard <laughs> to go hard to fix that.
1: Guys, just so you know, uh, Chris and I have a new podcast um, It's over on Kiki Girl Experience, and it's called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, and we're watching Gravity Falls right now, where one of the characters is named Grunkle Stan, which is why I call Rex Grunkle Rex. But now, like, the entire first episode, Chris was just like, Grunkle Rex did this, this, no way to Stan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, for my actual notes, um... <clears throat> The whole like plot of okay, we need to get one ship through while the rest of us hold tight until help can come. It's so Last Jedi, before uh, Last there, Jedi there's, even there's, came
2: out. There's some Tross in it that some it happens in Tross, too. Yeah. yeah.
1: But like the more was, and more we was go
2: this through, this was this is post Last Jedi, right? It's is pre, is
1: I think it's pre Last Jedi.
2: Pre Last Jedi. Huh? Oh,
1: the Last Jedi. What is your release date? uh it is december 2017 this was march 2017 so it it was technically pre but they were probably developed around the same time
2: yeah oh for sure
1: yeah yeah they had to be um so yeah just the more and more we watch rebels the more and more i'm just seeing the parallels between those and Lost jenny so (laughs) i don't which note do i want to do okay this is kind of a multi-part note because i kind of like thought about it in sections um, I never realized before until I, I heard Hera pointed out that Thrawn actually believes that this is the entire rebel fleet. And that's a pretty huge miscalculation on his part. But then I was started thinking about it of that's really cunning on the rebellions part. Because they've only shown the Empire like Dadana and Sato. They haven't shown them the rest of the fleet. So the Empire actually have no idea how big the Rebel fleet actually is. So it, it's kind of a nice mixture because, like, Thrawn is working off the information that he has. So he only has, like, this is the Re- Rebellion. But it's a, it's a really nice move on the Rebellion that they've only showed the Empire, their hand like, so much of their hand, and they're hiding their other cards because they actually have no idea how big the Rebel fleet is until Rogue One.
2: You should have studied their fucking art more, huh, Thrawn? Huh? A little more. You should have done a little more art study there, Thrawn.
1: You, you know, Venn diagrams, <laughs> like, those don't even cross at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, your point and my point don't even cross. Like, no, but,
2: I'm just, I, no, yeah, I'm just heckling him. That's all.
1: I know, I know. But, you know, I I, I, I like that because at first it felt like a huge miscalculation, but then I re- it made me, like, really appreciate how cunning the Rebels are because... You know, they probably don't know that there's, like, 12 other, like, squads or something out there. They only think it's, like, these four. So, I I liked that. And and my other note is, I found it really surprising that Kanan, Ezra makes sense, but Kanan didn't tell Hera about Bindu. And she knows, like, all the other four stuff. She knows about his holocron. She knows about the Jedi. She knows about the Sith. Like, she knows all the stuff. But he kept this one from her? And that just felt kind of weird to me that, like, I can understand not telling Zeb, you know, because Zeb didn't know what Bindu was either. But, like, Hera's the leader, and Hera's the one that makes battle plans, and if Kanan always had a Bindu in his back pocket as a battle plan, I feel like Hera should have known.
2: I get I get this feeling that either maybe we never saw it, but or it was just assumed between the two of them, but I would almost feel like, you don't tell anybody about the Bendu you know if you no, get to meet if you get to if you get to meet the Bend, if you run into the Bendu and talk to the Bendu the Bendu wanted to talk to you otherwise you probably should he's he's kind of like the Star Wars Fight Club you know you don't <laughs> want to talk about the Bendu nobody you- nobody ever you know the first rule of Bendu is you don't tell anybody about you never talk about Bendu yeah and know. and I could see like I could see like you know it's he's the you know like he really would value values his privacy and you want really not want to piss him off.
1: Yeah, I just they're, they're, see my
2: notes for part three.
1: <laughs> yeah, like my um my my thing about that is I I, I guess it's just really weird because because even says in the episode like you would not believe me if I told you. And and I understand, like, the Bindu being this, like, really old concept, but, like, I feel like all you'd have to do is, like, it's a Force thing, Hera, trust me, and she'd be like, I trust you. I don't know what you're talking about, but I trust you, because she's done that before. Like, there's been times where she's like, I don't know what's happening, but it's a Force thing, so it's fine. And it, 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 that's, that just felt, like, really weird to me. Like, I could understand them not telling Zeb, but, like, Hera... Wondering if there's a Bindu in the back pocket of a battle plan. Like, yeah. I feel like it's, that should have been known.
2: It's better not to tell anybody than just tell, you know, tell some people, I guess, maybe, mm. just so you're not keeping secrets within your group. I mean, he is keeping it, he, he was keeping a secret from the group, but he was sort of keeping it from the whole, it was sort of like a Kanan secret. Yeah, a Kanan if, if you put Hera or somebody else in on it, you know, um, then it becomes all their secrets too. So he, they're, they're probably the Force people were just like, we'll keep this a Force thing, you know, it's 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 all, not just a Fight Club thing. It's a Las Vegas Bendu thing. You know what it, what happens it, with Bendu stays with Bendu.
1: You know, though it d- it does kind of make sense because it's kind of like the opposite of season one when Hera would keep even Kanan in the dark about Rebel stuff so it, I, I, it's kind of like a reverse of that like she yeah. she, she wouldn't even tell Kanan everything about the rebellion so he wouldn't know in case he fell into the wrong hands um, so, it, so I guess it does make sense in that that sense I, I guess it's just a little weird to me but that's all I have for Act 2
2: alright are we ready for Act 3 let us let's finish this sucker halfway
1: <laughs> halfway
2: let's act cut this three. puppy in half
1: oh no put the the puppy back together
2: we'll sew the puppy up by the end
1: Frankenstein puppies
2: it'll be a fundamentally better puppy (laughs) act 3 act 3
1: Thrawn and Sato start exchanging fighters Thrawn calls Constantine and is like alright look Constantine I need you to hang back you're flying in that interdictor and it's the most important part of this battle and Constantine is like, ha ha, ha, ha ha I say! Why not use normal Imperial tactics and fly in there gun-slinging and overwhelm them with power? And Thrawn is like, Dude, you've been fighting the Rebels since Season 1. If you haven't learned that that doesn't beat them by now, I have no hope for you. For fuck's sake, just follow my orders. And Constantine's like, Sigh, fine, whatever, you blue freak. And he hangs up on Thrawn. And uh, Callus is behind them watching, going, Ooh, imperial drama. Glad I ain't part of this shit anymore. Sounds like you guys need to buy a get-along shirt to wear. And Thrawn is like, just, Callus, just shut up and and let me battle. (laughs) Back on the ground. Kanan drives out to the wilderness and this whole like pretty much every scene is like split up so I just kind of group scenes together Um, so it's not just like going back and forth back on the ground Kanan drives out to the wilderness to find the bin dude who is not happy to see Kanan bin dude is like dude I just wanted like peace and to sleep and stuff but you are not being radical at all you brought this, like, hot blue man and war to my little planet? Like, what the hell, man? I'm the one in the middle. And Kanan is like, look, I try to live in the middle once. But I tried to stay out of fighting and not take sides. And I got drunk and I fucked some girls and I might have knocked one up. But you know what? It's not worth it. Staying neutral doesn't work. Everyone has to choose sides at some point. I saw people getting hurt and I had the power to do something, and I did it! Some things are worth fighting for, but then dude doesn't want to hear it. Back with our heroes, Hera and Phoenix Squadron fly up to space to join Dadana and Sato's fighters. Ezra's in Maul's old sweet ride, waiting for a moment to get out of there. The fight rages on, but there are just so many TIE fighters from Thrawn's men, and the rebels are spread so thin trying to protect all their own cruisers. And as long as that interdictor is there, there's no way for Ezra to get by. Commander Sato hears this over the comm, and he comes up with a dire, terrible plan. And that's a really good plan, but it hurts. It hurts my feelings. The plan hurts my feelings. He tells Ezra to go to a specific area, and he'll make an opening for Ezra. His men on the bridge realizes what Sato's going to do, as Sato calls for everyone to abandon ship. And two of them decide to stay with him, and they start moving out of formation well constantine king of hubris first of his name sees this and he gets a power erection that he can finally do something in this battle he commands to fall he commands his ship to follow sato and his men remind him what
2: a power erection
1: a power erection
2: a power erection
1: a power... Power. erection
2: Erection.
1: It's an erection from power. He's like, Oh, I get a power! Erection! (laughs) So, he's getting his jimmy-jams off of his glory kill. He commands his men to follow Sato, and his men remind him that Thrawn wanted him to stay in position. And Constantine's like fuck that guy! I'm an admiral! I don't need a grand admiral to tell me what to do. Actually, in the scene, when he talked about grand admiral, they actually put it in quotations on Disney Plus. Anyway. Well, Thrawn sees this, and he's like, Constantine! What the hell are you doing? And Constantine's like, fuck you, Thrawn! This is my kill. And everyone on both sides watch in horror as Commander Sato turns his ship and Holdo slams it right into Constantine's interdictor. Commander Sato goes out like a fucking hero. And there goes Constantine, king of hubris, the last of his name. I've waited three seasons to do that. Three seasons to do that. The last of the same. Anyway, I find it funny, guys. It's my payoff.
2: This episode is all payoff.
1: I in three seasons. Anyway, Ezra gets his one chance and he's able to slip out of there into hyperspace. Well, Thrawn is pissed off. Hera and her team are mourning, and everything is bonkers. And Cal is just having the best time because he has no fucks to give anymore, and he really hated Constantine. And Thrawn presses the attack forward because now he can't trap people in space. Well, I guess he can, because there's a second one. Anyway, I did not matter. Hera has no choice but to call a retreat back to base. On the ground, Kanan asks if Bindu can feel all the death and the pain. He begs Bindu for help, and, but Bindu calls them petty battles. All living things die, but Kanan says they shouldn't have to be crushed by overwhelming evil. And Kanan Jarrus makes his move, and he calls Bindu the C-word not that c-word the other c-word he calls bin dude a coward and bin dude is like oh, not cool man i'm not a coward i'll show you like how to be one with nature i'm really one with nature and yeah starts- not
2: in the like tree hugging way either
1: no no Sam starts whirling, and ben eyes start glowing, and a storm kicks up around him, and Kanan's like, I just fucked up real bad. <laughs> and Ezra calls him Mon Mothma begging for help. But, wow, I did not even come close to spelling that right. But Long Nekma says that if they send the rest of the fleet, it will play into Thrawn's hand. Mon Mothma, make, Mon Mothma makes a difficult choice to leave them all behind to save the rest of their very small army. Ezra realizes that he's going to have to look elsewhere for help, and he decides to, hand to head to the Mandalore system to get Sabine. Woo! What'd you think of that, too? Wow, well, I think this is where the majority of my notes are.
2: Well, the, this is funny, because, like, this one didn't really give me any... new. It's all stuff that we've been talking about, but this one just underlined it, which is do not piss off, Bendu. Do not. Yep. Um... And my other note is I like just how you see is how you just see his pissed off eyes, which we've also discussed. And also it's a, it, a lot like The Last Jedi, <laughs> which yeah. you pointed out by by dropping Holdo's name in the in the, the story there. Yeah, it's it's uh, the, the, there's a lot like uh, The Last Jedi in this part of it.
1: Yeah, it's so much. <laughs>
2: But that's all I got.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, my first note is I'm going to come back to my top note because I kind of come back to that later on in the show. Um, I love Callus being the Imperial peanut gallery during this battle because he's he's a dead man. He has no fucks to give. So he's yeah. just going to piss off his old bosses.
2: <laughs> Why not just enjoy himself while he's gonna, there? You know,
1: he's pretty sure he's going to die. So he's just like, Haha, fuck all y'all. Well, now,
2: and he's thinking to himself, now at least I get to see them get some of the medicine that I took earlier, you know?
1: I, I suffered this for a season and a half. This is so much more fun. Now
2: I get to just sit back and watch. Yeah.
1: Before they throw me out of an airlock. I have more on that in Act 6. So, oh, so this was kind of like multi-parts about Bindu and Kanan. So I like how Kanan's like, Bindu, you're just gonna let us die. And Bindu's like, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> people die. But it's it's very interesting because the more Bindu kept talking about it's it's the difference between neutrality of the force and neutrality of people. And it's it's a very, very deep and complex that I could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about this one point. But the short thing is, is Bindu's neutrality is interesting because it's neutrality in the force. We've seen human neutrality in the Clone Wars not work on Mandalore because in Clone Wars Mandalore was neutral and stuff like that and it didn't work out. Bindu is that what's that's kind of what makes Bindu interesting, but because he's not taking sides. And I like that Kanan is the one to call him out because Kanan was kind of Bindu most of season one. But Kanan wasn't really taking any hard, definite stances in the force. You know he had definitely a stance, a human stance in the rebellion, helping helping Hera. But we even saw in season two he wasn't really fully ready to help the rebellion yet because he didn't want to get into another war. But when it came to the force, like Kanan took a very neutral stance in the force until Ezra came into his life, and then he was forced by Grande to because I love Grande and he's so important to Kanan's story. He was forced by Grande to actually take a stance in a force. So this whole thing is like very deep and complex because Kanan has been the Bindu of this show. That was his role early on. And now he's able to call out Bindu and that. But even then, like Bindu is such a big
2: No. Yeah, you can't like yeah, yeah you can't call out the Bindu. Yeah. That's... I mean, you can.
1: But it's such an important point, too, about, like, because cause we see so much of that, like, not to get too much into, like, our society and our politics, but, like, it's hard for people to remain neutral because when things that are bad happening, like, when bad things are happening, because eventually you're going to have to take a side. And... But it's so interesting because like Bindu's not but a human he's, character he's,
2: he's like, not a, yeah he's not in that sphere you know what I mean it's and like
1: that's and that's why it's so hard because Kanan's not wrong but he's not wrong from a human stance but Bindu's not a human it, <laughs> he's this
2: it would be it, it would be it would be like us asking you know the manifestation of the spirit of the earth, of the planet earth to take sides in one of our things that it'd be like, I don't care. I'm going to go take a nap and you guys will be gone anyway. You know, yeah. <laughs> I might so, wake up and you guys will be blasting off to another planet or you could have <coughs> blown yourselves up. I don't, I don't know. Like, I think, <laughs> like, I think about it like this. If, if like all the ants, <laughs> if all the ants, if you had to like, listen to, listen to the problems and, and, uh, things that go on with all the ants, you would, you, you would never be able to like, you know, why would, why would you want to deal with that? (laughs) You know, the, what like, like, like Kanan's speech to Bendu was just sort of like, it was almost for his own, for Kanan's own benefit. Cause for, for Bendu, he's going to be like, yeah, that's nice, dude. You're just, you, you know, you're an ant, you know, like Kanan is like this little dot of the, the picture but Bendu can see probably, like, this whole, you know, like, Kaden's life from beginning to end and all the stuff that branches off of it, you know, and is just like, yeah, you know, you could try to get me a, concerned in your affairs, but I already know what's, you know, where everything's go, you know, where everything's going. And And I also think Bendu also, like couldn't say yeah kanan i'll help you but as as you see he gave him an uh, as we'll see in the future he 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 works with him sort of <laughs> enough
1: it's, it, it, it's almost random like they just happen to get out <laughs> but like I, I think that's why I, know, I,
2: I have a whole theory of that part when we get to it, okay, it remind okay. me when we get to it
1: but i i think that's like why it's it's so interesting because on a human level, like Caden is absolutely right, but like on a force level, like Benji's like, what the fuck ever, man. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> and that's you why know? it's
1: so interesting because yeah. it's like the human versus the spiritual, and like I, it's ugh.
2: I love it because yeah, it's so it's it's a new aspect of the 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 force, and it's like it's something that like is taken from various other religions too there's a lot of you know everything mixed up in it like star wars always has in it but it's it's good it adds another another level to the force and yeah and plus it's doctor who it's yeah the bendu. there's nothing not cool about any aspect of the bendu um
1: Actually, let me go and do my other Bindu you note know, while we're talking about him. Um, I love when Bindu gets really pissed off at Kanan. He was, and he's just like, well, maybe it was the will of the Force that the Jedi all died. Yeah. It, it was. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It was. The, it was not balanced. There was not balance in the Force. There was too much light side, and the dark side had to come back. And Bindu's not wrong. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: because I, that, that, I love that moment because I was like, yeah. Yeah, he's right.
2: Yeah, I think Bendu's holding back a little bit on that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, my
1: my next note is about Commander Sato's death. Um, it's such a good moment. It's so like I love the whole lead up to it too, like when his men realize what's happening and you have the two guys that decide to stay with him. And it's it's this really like the music's beautiful and it's heart wrenching and powerful. And he takes out Constantine and I love like Constantine's moment where he's just like, This is my glory kill. And then Thrawn's like, Why are you doing this? And then the moment where Constantine realizes like you can see the exact moment where he realizes he fucks up and it's great. Yep. But then oh it's it's just so good. I love Sato pulling the hold maneuver pretty much. I mean, it's not as flashy as the hold maneuver, but it were it's it's still just as gut-wrenching and powerful
2: my only thing i noticed about that my only thought i had about sato is it's it's kind of strange that he's a space character but he's got like an asian sounding name like a face that's fairly asian looking and a speech pattern you know that's sort of an asian accent but he's in the star star wars universe you know
1: they have like space asians
2: I guess so, but I like
1: Oh, you're going to start naming space Asians? Okay, there's Kazuda from Resistance. There's Paige Tico, there's Rose Tico, there's uh Bodie Rook, because he's a South Asian. But, <laughs> I mean, but, come but, on, but man. Rose
2: Tico Rose Tico isn't a very, isn't like an Asian sounding name. Although she, she has
1: Tico, I would yeah. say Tico is and then you have Kazuda Ziono.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 just weird. It seems like they could like they they all have uh trade federation accents
1: <laughs> I will give you that because the trade federation is a really really bad accent
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I, I'm going to take this way back for my second part of this note so commander Sato's death is really good but I think it could have been like one layer emotionally better but this goes back to a complaint I had in an episode we hated being iron squadron with the little shits that we hated <laughs> right <laughs> i know oh
2: pardon You're... me i thought i had my mute on <laughs> but that's what i pretty much think of him yeah but like yeah he could have had a he could have had a grown-up huh
0: you didn't do that on purpose
2: no i thought i i thought i muted myself to blow my nose sorry. <laughs> that was just that was good timing
1: that was so perfect chris oh my god <laughs> i thought you did it on purpose
2: <laughs> I was, like, blowing my nose, and then I heard you respond, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And I look over, and it's like, oh, I'm not muted.
1: I'm usually pretty good about that. Don't edit it out. It's perfect, because we were talking about the squadron anyway. But anyway, we get introduced to uh, Sato's nephew, Mart, in that episode, right? And back when we had that episode, I brought up this note of saying, I wish Mart was in the series more, because we knew Commander Sato died in this episode. But we don't see Mart again until the season finale, And the reason I wanted, like, Mart to be in the show just a little bit more, even if he was just on the base, just to have interaction with his his uncle and stuff like that, because Sato's death could then have, like, an extra emotional layer of, like, maybe Mart's in a fighter, and, like, he, like, sees his uncle die, or maybe he's on the ground on the base, and he has that reaction to his uncle's death. So, like, it's good. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Sato's death. I think it's really well done. But like I kind of wish they also had brought Mart into the series so more. So much,
2: so much is happening in it that you know, i will bet you they had i will bet you they had a, I'll bet you they had a million other things like s- similar to that happening, and they had to just like trim it down to fit it all in here because this is just like, yeah, things are happening just like boom, 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 boom. This
1: isn't the first time I, I go, why isn't this scene here? But I just, I that would have been nice, even if it was just like. Mart's on the great base of the ground and he hears that and you just see him just like close his eyes or just be like, no, like I just two seconds. I wanted it. So here we go. Bindu aside, because Bindu does a lot of stuff at the end. To me, Constantine is the number one reason Thrawn loses this battle. Yeah. Bindu's at the end and stuff like that. But the thing is, Thrawn wouldn't even have to go on the fucking ground. In the first place, if it wasn't for Constantine fucking it all over. And even in death, Constantine is really bad at his job.
2: That's sort of true, but as Thrawn goes... This isn't the first time Constantine has fucked up, like, in this manner, doing the same thing. This is him, like, there was an early episode where he... He tried to get himself some glory and fucked up Thrawn's plan. Thrawn being the 16 D chess master that he claims to be should be like, I, you know, I'm going to put Constantine on toilet duty this, this time, you know, and put somebody else in charge of that ship so he doesn't fuck up again because he's an idiot and my super brain has detected that through his art, which is stick figures of doggies and kitties, but they have the wrong number of legs and their ears are in the wrong place. Or I something, you know, something to that effect.
1: To use one of your old points against you.
2: Uh, maybe. Ready? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Right
1: now. So, back in the Wedge and Tilly's episode where Sabine snuck in the Sky Strike Academy, I had made a point of. Why is Arinda there? This is not her sector. She's the governor of Lothal. There's no reason for Arinda to be here. And you said, well, it's it's an animation thing. You know, they can only render so many characters, and she's that's a known true. character, that's and true. they wanted her here. And that's how I kind of feel, because like for one, they had to kill Constantine, because my God. Um, oh yeah, okay.
2: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, it's all plot, but like, it's yeah, like. Honestly, if, if this was real, if, if if it's it's faking in space, but if this was real, I don't think Thrawn for a half a second would have put Constantine there.
2: Yeah, Constantine wouldn't have made it this far, you know. Yeah, so. if he
1: wasn't a named character since season one. Right. Um, and honestly, they can't they can't kill everybody on <laughs> the main characters. Actually, it's kind of funny. Like I remember I was at DragonCon a couple of years ago and Timothy Zahn got a question about this episode about like what Thrawn thought of Bindu and stuff like that. And he, if I remember correctly, he, he said that if it wasn't for Constantine and Bindu, this would have been a, the final episode of Rebels, because Thrawn would have just wiped them all out. And this is how it, Rebels would have ended, and I was like, yeah, I agree with that. Like, if it wasn't for Constantine and Bindu, like, Thrawn would have won. He had them. So. No one keeps Bindu in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my only other note was I think Thrawn respects Sato more than he respects Constantine.
2: Oh, for sure. Why wouldn't he? You know, yeah, he, actually, Thrawn doesn't Thron doesn't just hate somebody and not respect them because they're on their other side. He's a five D five million D chess player. He 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 has to respect a good enemy and he does respect a good chess game. So and Constantine is like put trying to put the square piece in the round hole, you know,
1: and I, I think it was the Iron Squadron episode. I think it was that episode. I'm looking back through the episode though, right very fast. But I think it was Iron Squadron that, like, when Thrawn and uh, Sato first met, like, they exchanged pleasantries. Like, he was like, It's an honor to meet you, Sato. And, sure. And, oh, yeah. And Sato was like, Yeah, same here. You're a good adversary. Now, bye. <laughs> and meanwhile, Constantine's just like, I hate you, Blue Man. <laughs> so, but. That's all I have for Act 3. ready to get into Part 2?
2: Act 4.
1: Act 4. So, Part 2 opens, and everything sucks right now. They're all stuck on the ground, with no way to escape until Ezra can get back with help. Hera knows that Thrawn will bombard the planet, so they just have to get some shields up. And all they have is the one that they found on Geonosis earlier in the season. Seb and Rex have tried their best to put it together, but it's really more Sabine's baby. They can only hope her work up until the time she left is good enough. They fire it up and they have a working shield. Hera is a proud mom, but she's also a worried space wife. Calling into Kanan, she's like, Hey honey, you might want to hurry back to base before Thrawn blows us all up. And Kanan says he's going to be there as fast as he can. And all they can do now is wait for Thrawn to act. Which Thrawn does! He calls for his attack to start and the Star Destroyers rain down bolts from space. Kanan wildly tries to dodge the big-ass green bolts from the sky, while Hera and the rest of the Rebels look on in horror and wishes as they hope their shield will hold together. Kanan gets knocked off his bike, and the shield generator starts overheating. And as the shot goes back and forth between Thrawn and Hera, the tension rises, the music swells, and it looks like everything is about to end. And Thrawn calls off the attack, because Tarkin wants him to have prisoners, after all, and he can't take prisoners if they're dead. And the shield generator has held, and the Rebels are okay for the moment. Hera desperately calls for Kanan, who jokes that Thrawn actually wants them all dead this time. And Spacewife is like, That is only funny because you're alive! Get your ass back here right now, mister! And Kanan picks himself back up in the wilderness, but in the distance... He can feel a storm brewing. Ezra arrives on Cronus and hurries into the Wren uh, Mansion. The Wren Mansion, where Sabine and her family is there, with Mama Bear Ursa Wren, who is now in Clone Wars, by the way. And Uncle ROW is there, too. Ezra quickly explains what's happening. And there's... It's really hard when I have, like, several sound effects in a row. (laughs) Ezra quickly explains what's happening, but there's nothing that the Wrens can really do. Mandalore is now in a civil war. The Emperor has forces... Uh, the, Emperor's, the Empire's forces has the nice Mando army stretched really thin. And Ezra begs to be allowed, to at least be allowed to be heard. Back on Adalon, Thrawn is getting ready to lead a ground assault. And leave Governor Price, who has no fucking military training at all, in charge of his fleet. And Kalos just starts laughing his ass off at them. And Thrawn stops... And looks like Kallus going, Okay, humor me. Why are you laughing? And Kallus snorts and shakes his head going, Y'all are so fucked up now. I fought these guys for a season and a half. Constantine fought them for three whole seasons. These rebels are going to screw you over, Thrawn. I know they will. And Thrawn is like, Well, you and I are not the same. For one, I'm blue. Two, I'm smarter than you. And Callous is like, ha, keep telling yourself that. And Thrawn huffs and storms on out, out of there with a nice little chiss hiss. <sighs> Hera knows that he's coming. And she knows that he's about to bring on a ground attack. So she sends Zeb and Rex out to slow them down. Back in Mando Town, the Wren family isn't being really helpful at all. As long as Thrawn has a second interdictor ship up there, there no one is escaping. Ralph thinks Ezra should just be grateful to have escaped, and Tristan points out that the Mandos are just too spread thin, thin to help. Ezra says goodbye to them, and that he'll go out alone. Sabine stops him and says that she's coming too. She makes a big speech about how the space family is super cool, and they make impossible things happen. And the space family means everything to her, and she's going to help them out. Well, Mama Bear Rin makes a final decision. She gives Sabine the okay to take a few ships and anyone willing to fight with her. What did you think about part? What part are we in? Part four.
2: It was good. <laughs> you want to hear what I have? Like about 3000 pictures that rotate on my screensaver. Guess what picture is up there now? Is it Thrawn? Pissed off Bendu.
1: Oh. Just popped
2: up. So I got it on my screensaver as we speak. All right. When you're saying you you like a uh, like a scene of Sato's nephew um, reacting, I have a little reaction scene I would have liked to have seen in this one. And that would have been Ezra somewhere either on the sh- whenever whenever Bendu start like Kanan's riding away from Bendu and Bendu starts freaking out. I would have liked a little scene of Ezra going like something's happening back there, you know. Like oh, somehow nice. sensing Bendu getting riled up in the forest, you know, because Caden definitely is. He's riding away. He's like, "Oh shit!" Mm-hmm. So, like, it, I think it would have been cool to have Ezra going, like, "We got to get back there fast because <laughs> something's happening, can and I it's make big. A really, Can I make
1: a really stupid joke? Sure. So I, as, I, as as I'm as- sure you can. As Kanan is driving away and he's feeling the Bindu coming, he starts singing the Sonic the Hedgehog theme song going, Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much what he was doing. Gotta
1: go faster, 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 faster. <laughs> anyway, go on.
2: Um it's it's Love Fest part four. Oh yeah. This time they actually they, they don't even use code words, but as was or uh, from um, Harris Calling Him Love. Oh no so, so another 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 lovey dovey bit in here. And uh my only other note is the the shots of the laser beams coming down through the clouds. Oh. Well actually that whole sequence is very painterly and just be- dense and beautiful and full of clouds and but the those green lasers coming through the clouds and then raining down on the the um on the uh, deflector shield w- was just gorgeous just that, a gorgeous cinematic moment
1: that is my first note
2: oh really <laughs>
1: like, i love the entire orbital bombardment scene yeah have we ever and I, and I was trying to think about this earlier have we ever seen an orbital bombardment from the ground in any other um, star wars um
2: not until the last jedi really it's happened in comics and stuff before if I recall right but the only thing I found unrealistic about it were all the lasers just hitting near Canaan like you know like they were almost being aimed at him and stuff like they were shooting a lot of lasers down but they were shooting it over a good area of land it wouldn't have been that many of them raining down around Canaan especially that since they were really focusing on the the shields but it was. It was cool that they were dramatic laser beams, but like, I think out in the desert like that, you would see like the laser beams coming down at the desert, but probably the odds of one of them like hitting you would be pretty slim just because from out in space, you know, to send enough laser, you know, you know how stuff sort of as you shoot it down, it sort of spreads out, you know, so, but minor quibble. It was beautiful.
1: Well, I disagree, because I really like that.
2: (laughs) Oh, I liked it. It's just, it just wasn't, like, super scientific. But it was, as far as narratively goes, it was great. Everything about it was beautiful.
1: I mean, honestly, like, I'm sure they're covering, like, a small area, but there's, like, what, six-star destroyers? We're doing a
2: podcast. I got to get some material here.
1: I know, but let me at least finish my point. (laughs) You know, because there's, like, six-star destroyers, like, all onto one area they're probably making sure that the rebels don't haven't spread out to our surrounding areas either yeah
2: no yeah no they look like they were trying to do scorched earth that's what and you know yeah. that's what they were pretty much it was pretty like everything was like red and black when they were done <laughs>
1: but i i love that scene of like them just looking up and you can see the lasers coming and it's it's almost like lightning like a storm building up through lightning and or, or like a fall. meteor
2: shower or something.
1: Yeah, like I I love that scene. It's it's probably what my like in my top scenes of the episode. Like every time I watch that scene and just just how they constantly go back and forth between like Hera and Thrawn. because because that's the thing. Like I, this is Hera and Thrawn's first real showdown. Like they've been playing going back and forth all season. Thron is Hera's adversary and vice versa like they're they're the the rivals now. This this is her grande to her, to Kanan. And I love that scene because like they're both standing so firm and it's like who's going to blink first, you know? Like when you're having a staring contest. Yeah,
2: no, they literally had close-ups of of their eyes and, <laughs> in, the, and, in that but, whole contest there.
1: And it's so good because you see that Hera is actually the first one to flinch because they're about to die, and you think that she's about, like, they're all about to lose the shield and die, and that's when Thron pulls back.
2: Yeah, no, Thron wanted to do that. He wanted to bring him right, he was, he was bringing, he was like, I'm gonna bring him right to the edge, but they used the dramatic effect of the eye, you know, uh, but he, wa- he wanted to show them that he could destroy them, but that wasn't how he was gonna do it from space. He was gonna, well, actually, he had the order to take them alive, so... At yeah, that yeah. point he was he had figured out a way to actually take them alive. So Yeah. I'm
1: so I just I've given him a I, couple I, points. <laughs> I I love that scene. Um my other two notes are just kind of small. Um I like Rex and Zeb in this episode. Like they're just doing normal rebel things, being themselves, but you know, they just there's no they give a little extra spunk to all this, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like the gritty mechanics of the whole thing, and 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 they're also the characters that enjoy a fight the most too. So having yeah. it together, they're having a they're having a grand old time. No like, matter how bad it is, some part of them is having a grand old time.
1: Yeah, like in the last scene when they're getting in the ghost, and and Zeb is like, Are you are you glad that you joined the rebellion? And Rex is like, Ah, it's better than I'm
2: not bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like to, this is like the equivalent for these people of like going fishing, two buddies fishing together.
1: Yeah, and then like when when the shield generator like holds up, like Rex has this little laugh, like he th- he puts his arms in the air and he's just like yeah, yeah, just like so I, I like like Zeb and Rex aren't like doing anything like character dividing. They're just adding like a spunk to the episode, and I really like them in this episode. Now here's a rare note from me: when the Thrawn novel actually hurts an episode for me.
2: Yes, embrace the dark side.
1: The first time I watched this, I didn't really think about Price being left in charge of Thrawn's fleet. But after I read 2015 Thrawn, I was like, why is she being left in charge of the fleet? Price already has no military training. She is a governor. She is a political figure. The most training she has is hand-to-hand combat in a dojo. (laughs) That's the most training she has. She has no military training. Why is she being left in charge of the fleet?
2: yes and it She's goes back a fool. To,
1: but it goes back to your point of there's only so many characters i guess where it's why it's extra bugging me is because in the books we also know karen farrow exists karen farrow is thrown second in command <laughs> she is well,
2: the uh, sometimes the you don't under- get the army you want you get the army that you have rendered in the in the hard drives
1: i know it's I think that's where it wide bugs me because I really love Karen Farrow. I love her character. I think she's a great character and she should be where Ari is. Like, sh- that's where she should be. Um, but of course, that is not rendered and Ari's rendered and she's a known character and blah, blah, blah. So
2: that's all I have for Act Four. All right. Act Five, the penultimate act.
1: Yes. You ready? <clears throat> yes. Here we go. Act Five. Woo! <laughs> Holding it together, Chris. Almost 10 o'clock. <laughs> the ground battle of Adalon begins. Rex and Zeb are still having a really great time. And they take out some little walkers on their own. But this reveals their location to Thrawn. And Thrawn is wearing the dumbest hat ever. Like, I know it's the Veer's hat. Like the, like, the general Vera's hat. But it looks so dumb on Thrawn. Now that Zeb and Rex has wasted a lot of their really good weapons on the tiny little walkers, Thrawn sends in the big walkers to get at-at-them Star Wars jokes!
2: Oh, You did better with the Star Trek joke last time.
1: Thanks, man. Thrawn sends in the big walkers to get at-at-them. Ha <laughs> Anyway, the big walkers get through the rebel-based shields, and the ground battle really gets started as Zeb and Rex have to fall back. Wedge is in the air, trying his best to provide some help from above. But, you know, it's not working.
2: Because
1: it's Wedge. Uh, suddenly, Kanan appears out of the wild, and takes out the lead walkers with his lightsaber, and he gives our heroes time to get back into the caves. And Kanan pauses, because he feels a bin-dude storm brewing even more. Thrawn arrives in his stupid hat, and he lands in a shuttle, <laughs> and he comes out with six death troopers led by Pick and Waffle. He gives the order to storm the base.
2: I'm glad you said that. Noted that was a stupid hat because I thought it was a stupid. You know what the first thing I thought was huh. dark helmet. I,
1: yeah, I mean it's it's the General Veers hat. Like it's the same hat Veers wears on Hoth, yeah, but for it's some reason, not
2: it, he's not General Veers. It, he did not win the Who Wore It Better.
1: I yeah, and I, I think it's the difference between live action and animation. For some reason, animation looks makes it look like super. Big because on Veer's, it looks like it actually fits his head, but for some reason, and maybe it's just the proportion of Thrawn's face is like much more slender or whatever. But yeah, like, it looks it like just someone lo-
2: stuck a Lego on top of his head.
1: Yeah, it looks way like it doesn't look like it fits. Like, I'm waiting for the thing to fall off, it looks so stupid that's actually my first note Thrawn is wearing a really dumb hat and I like his stupid dumb hat because it's stupid that's my first note of this act anyway let's finish
2: the act that would have been my great scene of Bendu laughing and him going what are you laughing at your hat dude (laughs)
1: your hat man it looks so dumb so anyway Thrawn in his stupid hat lands on the shuttle and they come out with pig and waffle he gives the order to storm the base Hera, Dadonna, and the rest of them head for the ships while holding, off the, while holding off the incoming stormtroopers. Rex, Zeb, and Kanan run through the caves to help them, but they're slowly getting surrounded. Luckily, Ezra and the Mandos arrive! Hooray! Uncle Rao takes part of the forces to draw the TIE Fighters away as Sabine and Ezra head for the Interdictor. Ezra calls on to Hera that they have to leave now. Kanan, Hera, and the team all meet back up on the base, and they make a break for the Ghost. The, imp- the Imperials are starting to overrun the base. The Imperials are starting to overrun the base. The Walkers on the ground are taking out Rebel ships trying to flee. And as a ship crashes to the ground and the smoke clears, the Space Family is surrounded by Death Troopers. And Thrawn comes out of the smoke with his dumb hat, ready to as- accept their surrender. What'd you think of Act Five? I'm like, what actor I, are we I thought in? they were
2: running through the caves to get the spiders all. I was, I was hoping for, I forgot. I have
1: like, a note about that. <laughs> I
2: was hoping that they were gonna sick the spiders on them, but there's so much going on that it's okay. I, I like had that thought. I like when they're running through the cave. I'm like, oh, they're gonna get the spiders coming, and then I forgot all about it because enough stuff happened to keep me totally distracted from. Yeah. You know, I'm
1: going to say the same thing, because that was actually one of my notes, too. Because, like, on one hand, it would have been... Because I was thinking, like, in the point of, like, Bindu. Like, Bindu is so tied to Adalon, and the spiders are so tied to Adalon, too, that the more Bindu gets mad... The more they get
2: riled up, yeah. The more
1: they get riled up. And it would be for both sides, like, them attacking, like, the walkers, but also, like, going after the rebels, too... But like 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 you said, there's so much going on. Like it would have been cool to see them having to on both sides fighting the spiders. Yeah. But there's just you know that's a that's whole. That's the thing nother, is there's like,
2: so many cool ideas to throw in on this one that they probably had to just pick the coolest of what they yeah. what was coolest and what worked best with the story for it. But yeah. my, my only other sh- my short notes are row. There's a there's a good row in this one. Row. Uh, the at that the. the when they're all just scrunched together they look like a moving painting they're just it's just beautiful and here's another example of old Thrawn thinking he's a smarty pants by he always is like okay so like you know uh, his the the interdictor got blown up and stuff. he's writing it all out he's going like oh well you know We lost this and that. He always does that like, I just made a set, you know. Okay, we lost that ship, but now we can triangulate to this. uh, You know, we sacrifice this and this, but we learn this and stuff. And he's always writing off, (laughs) you know, blowing up whole ships as sacrifices to learn something, you know, more important and then losing He actually and, does
1: say in this episode, um, he he says something along the lines of like, I would have done it but, if it
2: wasn't for that goddamn bendu and the, you know. Well, no, no, or, he
1: actually, Chris, he actually actually says in this episode, let's hope Constantine's move doesn't mess up the rest of this battle. Like he actually states that in the episode. Like he's aware yeah. that Constantine probably fucked everything up. But
2: that that's also called covering your ass. That's also yeah. called you know, he's 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 spreading the blame over there preemptively to be just I mean like, it's uh,
1: not spreading the blame. Constantine fucked up the battle.
2: <laughs> yeah but he's the one who put Constantine He's the one who put that guy who did that before. Well,
1: you take that shit to Dave Filoni because I only have so many fucking characters I will. In the
2: show. I will hope. I will take it okay, to Dave
1: you, you take it to Dave Filoni.
2: I can't. I, I would hope, but I can't because I have to social distance from Dave Filoni. Oh, and, that's true. And the order of protection he has against me. We so have, we can have I can't to protect Dave 5,000 yards of Dave Filoni. But if I could, I would take it to him, Hope. I would.
1: Well, you, well, you send him a very sternly written letter
2: i've 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 confronted him in many of an elevator and been like i have to talk to you about thrawn man Thron, man and then,
1: go on though what's the rest of your note i'm sorry
2: that's it that's it oh thinks he's a smarty he thinks he's a smarty but he always screws up in the same way and like you know and and like like uh you said earlier like You're talking about like Thrawn would have won if it wasn't for for Bendu and and Constantine screwing up. But that's just what Callis told him earlier, saying, dude, you can go after these guys and have your plan. But something hinky's going to go on and they're going to use it to their advantage. Just telling you. You know, I've Thron read all the that. scripts, season four, and, and see, for, from season one through season four, dude. I'm telling you. Don't
1: just say that to Constantine, too, because Constantine's like, why can't we just overwhelm them with numbers? And Thrawn's like, because these rebels are known for pulling something out of their ass.
2: Yeah, because they're smarter than you, dummy. Yeah. That's what you- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's- honestly? Oh,
1: go ahead.
2: That's why Constantine's dead now.
1: The last of his name.
2: Last.
1: That's so I love, I've been waiting to make that games of, uh, game of Game Thrones joke for like th- like three seasons. <laughs> anyway, um, Constantine. I honestly, honestly uh, I only my only other note after Thrones had his dumb and the googly-eyed spiders is I, I just like the Bindude storm. Um it, it adds so many different effects because not only does it build the tension of the episode, it also looks cool because it's ramping up as the battle is ramping up and it makes everything darker and as as they're invading the base like there's more lightning happening. So like you know Bindude's coming, but it's also just a really cool effect of a battle to have a storm happening. Yeah. <laughs> so it just looks cool.
2: Yeah. And it's happening like in real time. So yeah. we get to watch it and we're like, oh, a storm. And it's just like, hey, that's getting kind of close. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome.
1: Like, like, could you see at the beginning, like, Canaan's coming and you see the storm in the distance and then the orbital bombardment happens, but it's coming through the storm clouds. And then like yeah. now there's lightning. Like, it's just it's so well done. I love it. Yeah. That's all I have for Act 5.
2: All right. You want to finish this puppy off? Sew it back <laughs> up and put it out back in the wild?
1: Make a Frankenstein puppy and release it, it among the
2: villagers. A little Be free pound puppy for puppy. someone to adopt.
1: Aww. <laughs> yes, Act Six, the final act of season three. The one where I have all the feelings. <sighs> act six. Thrawn has space family surrounded and is ready for them to give up. But as the lightning starts really picking up uh, Thrawn notices <laughs> Thrawn notices that Kanan is really afraid of the storm. And Kanan's like, You're about to see the very definition of a shit storm, Thrawn. We're gonna see it too, too. Shit storms go both ways, buddy.
2: Oh, and the ben winds of shit the winds of shit are blowing, Bubs. The winds ben of is shit are blowing.
1: All the fans. <laughs> ben Dude comes out of the clouds and starts raining down lightning from the sky. And everyone flees for cover because that shit is after everyone. And Ben Dude is like, "All of you, get off my lawn, man!" And Kanan's like, "You don't have to tell me twice." And Space Family run for the ghost, but and as they take off, Ben Dude, don't forget about your theory about this. Uh, ben Dude is not letting them go that easily. He's throwing lightning at everyone, including the Ghost, because he's not taking sides, and he's killing Imperials, and he's taking out Rebel ships. But thanks to Hera's skillful flying, or possibly Chris's theory on this, we'll see, uh, they're able to get away from the Dude storm. Meanwhile... Thrawn becomes a man who decides it's a good idea to shoot at the clouds. And he tells all his men to shoot all their firepower at the storm, which is always the weirdest part of this episode for me, because it actually fucking works! And Bendude falls from the sky in a big fireball, going, Ow, man! Back up in space, Ezra pulls on a spacesuit, and he hops out of the car with Sabine. And they lead a small group of Mandos and land on the Interdictor. Stormtroopers come out to meet them, and a fight breaks out, but stormtroopers with jetpacks are no match with mandos with jetpacks, and they quickly take care of all the troopers and they blow up the gravity wall of the interdictor. Well, it has become very clear that Ari, who has no military training, is now losing. (laughs) Because when it comes to- because when Imperials are trying to get her to leave- What? Like, no, no, no. What? Did I write there? The, 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 the bureaus are like, Ari, what do we do? Should we do something? And Ari is like, no, I don't want to hear about how we're losing. I just want to win. And Callus, who has my favorite version of Callus, which is he has no fucks to give anymore, is like, ooh, Thron is going to get mad that you wrecked his fleet. I mean, I know you want to get into his pants and all, but he loves this fleet more than he'll ever love you. And Arya's like, <coughs> <coughs> I can't do that. <coughs> shriek! Wow. I wrote shriek, but I, I can't do that. <coughs> that
2: was sort of like the the, in the invasion of the body snatchers when uh-huh. they point out a, somebody who's human and just go, <coughs>
1: Yeah, I got, <clears throat> sorry, I made myself cough there. Oh. Ahem, <clears throat> is like, Wee! throw this traitor out of the airlock. And two stormtroopers drag Callus out of there. They put him in an elevator and as the door closes, hashtag hot is born with just a tiny little smile. As the rebels are racing to kip, they get past the blockade, Kallus takes out the guards and steals an escape pod. He calls Hera and sends his coordinates. And Zeb smacks the back of, the, of Hera's seat, going, Hera! Hera! That's my boyfriend! Go get my boyfriend, Hera! Hera! Hera, can you hear me? Go get my boyfriend, Hera! Hera, go get him! And, Hera, and General Hera Space Mom Syndulla swoops the ghost in and picks up Kallus' escape pod in one fell swoop, because Ohana means family, and family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. They are Kallus' Ohana. <laughs> and Hera points at Zeb going, You owe me. I get to officiate your wedding. And they race out of there. And the race to get out of there continues. And Governor Ari watches what's left of the rebels as they manage to get away to hyperspace. Back on the planet, Thrawn has found where the ben dude has fallen. And Thrawn is like, what the hell are you? And ben dude is like, I'm like way more powerful than you, man. I can give you great wisdom. But seeing that you pulled a gun on me makes me want to have like second thoughts about that and stuff. Anyway, you should watch out for some, like, tentacle monsters or whatever when you get to the Season 4 finale. They're gonna beat you up, my dude. And Thrawn shoots Bindu, but you can't kill something that powerful in the forest with a blaster. So Bindu fades away into the afternoon air, going, It's been real far out, my dudes. I'll see you sometime again. Or maybe I won't, cause I'm the Dude. Be at inner peace with your inner river rock, my dudes. And he's gone. And Thrawn is like, huh, perhaps I should be really, really concerned about that. Oh, well, off to yell at Price, and I'm going to celebrate Constantine finally being out of my life, and I'm going to hunt down some rebels, and I'll see you guys next season with my good old pal Rook. Thrawn out. Dab. You guys can't see me dab, I dab in a scene that should have been Zeb and not Kanan should have been Zeb Kanan walks through the ghost hearing Hera and Sabine talking to Ursa and thanking her for her help and Kanan walks out of the hallway and it should have been Zeb meets up with Callus and thanking and thanks Callus for putting his life in danger for all of them Kanan goes into one of the gunners where Ezra is hanging out Ezra is feeling defeated because they lost their base, they lost Commander Sato, and so many men and ships. McCann says that he knows that if he feels defeated, but he knows a day will come when they'll all be free once again. The end season three. Woo! Huh. What'd you think of part six?
2: Well, my first note is I am the fucking Bendu. Holy fucking shit. Bendu. That's all, that's all this is about. Ben, like, okay, it's a great tantrum. It's awesome. He put, it's a bit, this is my note. He, that I wanted to bring up. He's, he's putting on a big show. It's a big show. If he wanted to kill Kanan and those guys, he, if he wanted to kill everybody, he could have just wiped everybody off the face of that planet and just, it was basically like, I think Bendu was like, I'm going to go to sleep soon. I'll put on a little show, and and uh, take a nap, and I'll let this guy shoot at me a little bit. But like you know, he he puts on a a show for Thrawn. Thrawn just pisses him off enough that he's gonna give him a cryptic clue into his death, which Thrawn would hate, <laughs> and Bendu knows it. So it's just it's just awesome, you know. There's yeah yeah I. It's it's awesome. My my only other note is I like how the the interdictor collapses just a little bit before it explodes because it's got the gra- I I'm the thinking they're else? chalking up to the gravity wells and those are the gravity wells going, but it looks really neat. It kind of waffles. waffles. <laughs> but, but it was it was kind of cool. I yeah I ate this whole part up. I ate this whole part up. I think he just I think basically he just. He he sort of he gave like he could have killed everybody, but he put on a big show. And then when he showed up, he basically says leave and Caden and all the good guys go right. Oh, sir. And that's the right answer. Whereas Thrawn stood there. And so Caden and those guys got a little fire on their ass on the way out, you know, just to remind him who's boss and to to keep things serious keep him going in the right direction and then he dealt with thrawn and it was perfect i loved it i can see that and that's all i got for 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 the part six
1: all right oh i've i've been waiting for since since this episode aired in 2017 to get to this part so guys You all know, since we started Rebels and talking about Rebels, I have this ongoing joke where I sing Callus' name as a Hamilton song. The reason this happened was when we found out after the show was ended that his first name was Alexander, because it's never actually stated in show that his his name is Alexander. Um, It was something that was told by Dave Filoni after the show ended. And when that happened, I just started making all these kind of dumb Hamilton jokes because I was really into Hamilton at the time, and I'm still into Hamilton. I still love the the musical, but I started. That's where I started making jokes of like Alexander Calus, the rebellion's waiting for you. If you join us right now, together we can turn the tide. And I just I just started doing dumb things like that. Well, as I was rewatching Zero Hour, my favorite song from Hamilton is Hurricane, and I, I started like kind of seeing these like little fun little ties between the song hurricane and "Callus" in this episode. And for the last God, like two years I've been slowly kind of working on this and I'm a little bit nervous about this. Um, I am very well aware that I can't sing, but I actually wrote a, a Alexander callous version of hurricane, uh, for, for to the song Hurricane from Hamilton, and is it cool if I sing it here, Chris?
2: Do you no, mind? absolutely don't do it, Hope. Okay. Even though, even though it's going to happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. <clears throat>
1: all right. Are you ready? Okay. I'm gonna... This is Callus' Hurricane from Zero Hour, to the tune of Hurricane from Hamilton.
0: In the eye of a hurricane there was quiet
1: for just a moment a yellow sky. When I was young, I destroyed many the towns. I let myself down. I couldn't seem to die. I fought my way out, fought everything back that I could see. I fought my way out. I hid my morals inside of that tyranny. They came back for me. Look, all rebels moved to kindness. by my story. Saved enough of me, and they stuck me on a ship that was the Avon bound. I fought my way out of hell. I fought my way to revolution. I was louder than a crack in the in that fell. I wrote Zeb, love letters until he fell. I fought for the rebellion and defended it well. And in the face of grand admirals and governors, I finally saw the truth and I discovered myself. I spoke up to make a difference. I picked out the blaster. I found my own deliverance. In the eye of a hurricane, there is quiet. For just a moment. Sky. The eyes of the sun's children they're haunting me I can see them and they're haunting me I can't seem to die Wait forward wait for wait for I'll find my way out Wait forward for, Fight back wait against wait this wait tyranny Wait for wait I'll find my way out They're so on bright this is the eye of the hurricane. This is the only way I can
0: protect my legacy. Wait for, wait for, wait for, wait. Zero
1: lower. Oh, I did it. What'd you think?
2: Not bad, not bad.
1: Oh, just for, just, for,
2: just for doing it off the cuff like that, yeah, that's pretty amazing.
1: I know. It's just like I, It's it's almost like I, I planned it.
2: <laughs> it was so good. I could almost like hear the music playing and everything with it. It was amazing.
1: I know. You can almost like hear like the background singers and everything too, man. Oh, oh. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So it's hard to do that.
1: I know. I know. I'm so. Whew. That was nerve-wracking. <laughs> As for my other notes for this uh, this uh, the scene. So, um, again, this this is really a big Hera episode um this Hera really stepped up a lot and like really matched Thrawn blow for blow and it, it's just a really good episode to see why Hera and Thrawn are really good adversaries the only time I ever actually ever doubted Hera was the orbital bombardment that was the only time where I'm just like oh he got her here if it wasn't for him like she he would have wiped them out but like but she knew it she was like he's gonna bombard us orbitally. Like we need to get a shield up. Like this is yeah. his next move. He is coming on the ground. He's gonna be here. Like
2: yeah, this- no, they were they were forcing he was forcing them into they they were they were by their tactics they were forcing each other into because when when they retreat you know he's like now we have to make him retreat down to the ground and then the next thing she does is retreat down because it's like chess moves you know yeah. when someone puts a piece here then you have to react in a certain way. You know, just tactically. So they're all that. The, it was it was a nice little chess game.
1: And and honestly, like Zero Hour might be one of my favorite Star Wars battles of all time because it has so many sides. Like you have the space portion of the battle, you have the ground portion of the battle, you have the orbital bombardment, you have the force stuff with Ben, dude. Like you have all these ships happening. And it's all well p- paced and balanced. You ha- still have time for quiet character moments. You still have time for people to have jokes, like with Zeb and Rex. And, you have time you can, for And it
2: all makes sense. Like when you look at it, it's co- you can see their moves playing out. It's not just a mess of a battle. And, it's very tactical, and and you know you see it's it's very it serves a story, you know. And everything they visually they keep everything sort of pressed in together you know so it's not this big spread out thing when the adats come they're all mushed together and you have this sort of like block of star destroyers shooting down it's all each element is like sort of contained visually and it makes it easy to follow what's going on and it's it's just beautiful and, and
1: i i started because i i have a note there like where i i noted this in comparison of tross and i think the difference is to me like Animation has such a limited budget that they have to keep everything small and contained. Well, compared to Tross, where they had this huge budget and there's just so much going on. Like, there are times where I was watching Trost where I'm like, I know Poe is somewhere in the scene. I don't know where because there's so many fucking. It's like idiots. a
2: flock of birds. It's like trying to follow one bird in a flock of birds. But this is this is, yeah, this is very And it it serves it much better, like visually and and as a story in a storytelling manner. You know, when you see a flock, a flock of ships just firing and fighting each other, you're like, oh, a battle. But in this one, you you know, you're seeing what what's going on and it gets you invested in it a lot more. You know, it's dramatic. The 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 things that are battling are an extension of the drama going on with the human characters and it's it, it just lines up very clearly in this yeah
1: like this to me might be one of like the best like space battles in all of Star Wars it's just yeah, it's, so it's a really cool. good one it really is um you ready for my two callous notes
2: I guess my three
1: callous notes <laughs> Okay, so this this first one's kind of a question, because I, I keep going back and forth about this. So Cal has spent the majority of this episode in, in captivity with Ron and Price, and he's laughing at them, and he's poking fun at them. And it made me start wondering, is this one of two things? Is he purposely trying to piss them off to make Price slip up so he can get away? Was that his tactic from the beginning? Or did he see a moment of opportunity and he decided to take it?
2: I think he was doing a little of both. I think I, that, you yeah. know, he was in a nothing to lose position. Yeah. You know, and it was, and yeah, he was going to take, he was taking every opportunity to psych out all of them, you know, because what else can you do? And they, and they, they have him, like, Thrawn wants him, obviously, you didn't have a scene where he says it, but Thrawn obviously wants Callus to sit and watch the whole thing. That's his. Yeah little psychological game he's playing with callus so callus is obviously pissed about it but he's going to work everybody as much as he can and i think he i think basically he just lucked out with this like as soon as they she told two stormtroopers to take him away he's just like Two stormtroopers? What the hell? They're not gonna, you know. Yeah. He knows. He knows he's got a good chance. That's like his best opportunity, you know. I so, I
1: don't think if, if Thrawn would have stayed, I don't think Callus would have gotten away. But, I don't think
2: Callus would have. I I don't think Callus would have been just taken away by two random stormtroopers with Thrawn. He would have had him safe, <laughs> safely, safely stored away somewhere, you know.
1: It's the only time of the episode that Death Troopers aren't on him because when Ron right. is there, the Death Troopers are always on Callus. But the moment yeah. Ron leaves with the Death Troopers, like Callus knows exactly how to piss off a rundown.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Basically, she was like, "Larry Moe, take this guy down to Curly and have him processed," you know. So that yeah, was, like that was he that, that, you know.
1: This bitch long enough to know how to push her buttons, and at the moment they took him. So I, I agree. I do think it's both. I think he was. Just honestly had no fucks to give and he was just like i'm just gonna get in every Jabba that i can to try and psych them out yeah, and the and moment that the opportunity rose he was just like goodbye
2: <laughs> and really no nobody really knows that he's a traitor except for like the high command so once he takes care of those stormtroopers he's got free reign of the ship you know yeah. at least for a, for a time for a little bit of time he can, you know it's it's gonna be really easy for him so yeah <laughs> he just he just takes that little bit of opportunity
1: I think a Star to shore holds ten thousand people if I remember correctly. Right, right. So uh, the other you know, the like the twenty people on the bridge know that he's a traitor. The other rest of the ten thousand right, 000... dollars
2: Right. The people who are scrambling around in the middle of a battle aren't going to pay attention to a guy, you know, they're not gonna be suspicious of a guy in a full uniform in a outranking uniform. So
1: Absolutely. Um my next chaos note is Zeb. <laughs> And when Callus calls in for help, Zeb looks so worried about his boyfriend because he's just like, it's Callus, Hera, it's (laughs) Callus. And I was watching that scene because, like, Hera looks over and he's like, oh, he's sending his coordinates. And Zeb's face in the background, like, he looks so worried. And I'm just like, oh, their boyfriend. (laughs) He's worried about his boyfriend. (laughs) I love them (laughs) Chris. I love them.
2: Well, I know. We're well aware of that, I hope.
1: And here is my my (laughs) stern letter to Dave Filoni. How dare you? Never give us a scene of Klaus and Zeb meeting in this episode. It should have been them. Like Zeb should have been in the hallway with Callus. Zeb is the one that recruited Kallus in the first place. He is the one that got him into the rebellion. He is the reason that Kallus defected. And you know fucking what? They don't actually have a scene together by themselves until the season four fucking finale.
2: I'm not I'm not it's gonna get as know, passionate Chris. but I won't get as passionate as you, but I, I totally agree. I think that would have been, uh, uh it would have been, uh, it should have been just like, a um, a silent scene of like Zeb going down, pulling it, like giving him a helping hand out of it. Little tap on the sho- you know, little, little tap on the shoulder and, and you know I would have done hel- helped him, helped him walk up to the walk up to the bridge. You know, that's all they, that's all they needed.
1: Or even they they could have done everything that they did with Kanan, where Kanan was, like, walking through, and there's Hera talking with Ursa and Sabine and stuff like that. But Zeb's in the room with Hera. Why not put him in the hallway with Kallus? Zeb doesn't even have to say anything. Just, like, Kanan walks through, sees them, walks out that hallway.
2: They don't need to thank him or anything. That's all. We all understand that. It would have been all communicated with just Zeb being, you know, giving him a tap on the shoulder and a look that says, good to see you. Good to see you home and safe, buddy. You know, and that would have have been all that you needed.
1: They could have even had the thank you in there, but just have, have Zeb in the hallway with Callus. And so when Kanan walks down, he's standing with Callus and he still does like the, the thank you for, you know, risking your life for us. And like, Zeb could have just like tapped him in the shoulder. Like, yeah, man. And then Kanan kept
2: on walking. Handshake would have said it all.
1: Yeah. Could have just kept on walking. And and I think that's why it bothers me. Like, shipper feelings aside i'm sticking my Kal-Zeb shipper feelings aside
2: no yeah just sheer sheer uh, what on the surface drama of this season that would have been of the of of their relationship that would have been the way to do it
1: because like that's I, the thing like i'm i'm throwing my shipper feelings aside like the story of Cal's is so intricate intricately tied to zeb Yeah. they were they both went through the genocide at lasan they were enemies in season one. They had their episode in season two. And like, so it makes sense for, for Zeb to be the one with Callus. even if like shipper stuff aside, like story narratively wise, like their characters are so tied together. Like he should be in the hallway with him. And it, it makes me so furious. Callus have feelings. <laughs> ah. Anyway, my last note, <laughs> my last note of all this Um. I, I also just like Cal. I do like you know as much as I'm raging about Calzedon. I do like this end scene. Other than that, um, with Kanan walking through, because this is we don't see too many huge losses in the show. Like you know they get losses here and there, but usually it's like oh we got away and we we might have lost, but we're here for another day, yay. But like this is devastating. Like you have soldiers like leaning over railings. And like mourning because they barely made it out. You have people in the hallways being bandaged like this entire thing is framed so nicely. And it shows like what a devastating loss this is.
2: Yeah. But it it wasn't the devastating loss that it was supposed to be, at least. And you got to raise the stakes, you know? Yeah. It's it's a real rebellion now. You know, as soon as you get as soon as you start congealing like that, you're going to start taking punches and they just got a punch. And it was lucky they had the crew that they had when that punch landed or they wouldn't have walked away from it. So, yeah, Sorry. I like it. I, I like that. I like that you that you got to you got you to gotta have those stakes raised, you know, you got to have, the, you know.
1: Um, all right, Chris, it's time for your favorite part of the episode. Dun 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 dun
2: dun. I hope it's your lucky, lucky day.
1: Oh, it's time for Chris to say something nice about Thron.
2: I hope you're gonna love it because since this is a double sized episode, you're gonna take two things things because of my infinite mercy and infinite just general givingness like a bendu i'm going to give you two
1: all right lay on the first one
2: thrawn is thrawn is cool because he's a nerd because he carries pens in his front jacket pocket like a true nerd
1: um hmm, i don't know because you've already talked about thrawn's appearance and you talked about him being neat and tidy i don't know if that
2: is a nerd is an appearance hope nerd is a state of being
1: all right, it's cool because he's he's a nerd. He's got with... a pocket
2: protector with pens in it, saying that he's a nerd, so and dumb. I I respect nerds. You're he's so just dumb. a he's just a space art nerd. All right, what's, what's That's your other one? He has pens in his pocket. My other one is in 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 um, honor of the day we are recording, which is 420, and I think Thrawn. And, like, if he and Bendu, like, had really, like, been cool, they could have gotten together. And I think I think uh, Thrawn is a space burner, man. I think he's a space smoker. You
1: have to do it about something that is actually in the episode.
2: Oh, it is. Because I noticed how red Thrawn's eyes were. He's a Chiss. They Why are his eyes so red? red, red? Eyes. Huh?
1: Chiss have normally red eyes. That's what Chiss look like.
2: Maybe his are a little redder than usual. Chris maybe that's up maybe the chis smoke an awful lot of pot. I don't know. But that's what I think that's where I think shot. Hey, I'm giving you two. Two.
1: Okay. Let me add it to the list. Chris is delusional, but I'm proud he came up with a head cannon. So he thinks that Thrawn will smoke pot with Vindude.
2: And is a nerd.
1: So, hooray for Chris' head cannons. All right. <laughs> I totally misspelled delusional. All right. Did you have anything else for Zero Hour?
2: I'm all ready to score this up. All right. Score it up, Chris. I, this may be my favorite season ender so far. I don't know if I gave season two a 10. I think I did. did I did not. I gave it a 10. I gave this one a 9.5 just so it's close to a 10. I really like this one. It's beautiful to look at. It's, it's all the, it's all payoff without being like cheesy about it. It's all earned payoff. And, uh, yeah it just it fires on all cylinders it's it's cinematic in its presentation and uh it it resonates with like stuff in the last jedi it's it's really good
1: i'm almost with you there well i, I am with you on the score but um this is i i love this episode this is my second favorite finale of course season se- twilight of the apprentice my favorite episode of it's all rooms rep- a-
2: that's a, yeah. yeah, that's an amazing episode, an amazing finale. But this one, just like, for some reason, it fires on very Star Wars cylinders for me.
1: Absolutely. Like, Twilight of the Apprentice is my favorite episode of Rebels, but this is my second favorite finale because, yeah, and this is one of the best episodes of Rebels. It's, it's one of the best space battles in all of Star Wars. It's so good, and everything comes to a head bendu is amazing as a storm i love callus in this episode space mom gets to shine it's really good so i'm tied with you i gave it a 9.5 out of 10 as well
2: bendu is my grievy so in in rebels he's my grievy for rebels so you you know this 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 is as bendu as it gets so i'm happy as a little clam although i'm sad because that's probably this is bye bye bendu but
1: did you did you see the whole like 0.3 seconds uh grievy was in siege of mandalore (laughs) no he's in the opening crawl like when they're like wars come to court oh
2: yeah okay okay
1: he looks so animated good and the moment i saw him i'm like oh chris loves this whole two seconds of him
2: <laughs> no i sort of missed it because i was still in shock from the the lucas film the the movie beginning of it but
1: revis looks so good in season seven animation it's amazing <laughs> so I'm go back and
2: go back and watch it yeah
1: yeah um, well, normally, as always, we would give you feedback from either iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. But we're, we're running a little long this week. Um, also, we're also kind of catching up on ourselves, so I just want to give us a little bit of space. Where at uh, feedback, we're about four episodes behind from where we are, and and I want to give you guys also time to you know get listen to stuff and get feedback. And I know I know the world is coronavirus right now. Um, if you're like me, I usually listen to podcasts while I'm driving. Well, I'm not driving anymore because you're right. What?
2: I know. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh. No, but, yeah.
1: So I just want, you know, I want to give you guys a little bit more time and, and you know, we I'm I am catching up on our feedback at the moment. So um I did notice though, we haven't had an iTunes review in over a year. So if you like what we do, make sure you review us on iTunes because it does help people find the show. Like iTunes has this whole like fucking algorithm thing or whatever. So if you like us, you like what you hear, go on iTunes, leave us a review. Also, if you live in another country, it doesn't show me your iTunes review, so let me know what country you're from so I can actually open your country's iTunes, look up our show, and find your review, because it doesn't show us that, and we found that out recently, so, all right, you know what, I think for season three, I'm on my last piece of candy for this box.
0: Oh, right.
1: It's our, oh, we're finished, we're gonna start season four with a fresh box of kit Kats from Dario. Let me dig right out, I got
2: them under this. Jo- okay, so what do we got? The Kit Kat whites? Are those it the is last? Kit
1: Kat white is the last one. So if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. And so our friend Dario Gonzalez sends us, sends us candy from all over the world to review. And this is a Kit Kat white from Brazil. And we are finishing off this box this week. Yay!
2: It's good. Gotta- I'm not a big fan of white chocolate, but.
1: I love white chocolate, and I definitely like white chocolate from other countries because it has that extra rich flavor.
2: Mm. Mm. Oh. There's a oh, flavor so to this that I can't quite put my finger on. It's delicious.
1: I know the wafer almost tastes like I want to say chocolatey or hazelnutty.
2: It's it's like hazel. It's it's not quite. It's not chocolate. It's got something different in there and yeah hazelnut's the only thing I can put my finger on but
1: yeah it's Mm, good good. oh my god oh my god I just realized this is gonna be a huge fucking cow's evolution next week oh my god (laughs) oh boy I know alright I'm gonna have a hell of a cow's evolution well did you have anything else for Zero Hour or for or for uh, season 3
2: I do not. All right, Chris. Where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks dot That's our website. All of our podcasts are there. All of them. All of them, and more and more every day. Especially with the Coron- cornholo viral going on, people are podcasting like crazy. Oh my god! The Charlie Niemeyer with the with the with his his. Uh, with his Power Rangers man that guy is like just off the hook just posting and posting and posting and posting posting forever it's amazing prolific and you can also find us on Facebook we got the 2 True Freaks podcast there and um, the 2 True Freaks Cantina you can also find us on Twitter and our Twitter feed which is also called 2 True Freaks is run by Gene Gene the podcasting
1: machine that was super fast for him this time
2: and uh, yes he, he's more machine than man and uh, yeah that's it where can they find you
1: you can find me at J Guys and Jenny on twitter I run our twitter account you can also find me at hopemolinox on twitter I also have my own website called geekygirlexperience.com I, where I write all sorts of reviews um, I just launched a Patreon so you can, can become a patron of mine and part of Patreon uh, uh, part of Patreon is I have a uh, we actually we, I shouldn't say I we have a Patreon exclusive podcast we do
2: now, yes
1: and it's called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons and as you guys know if you've been a long time listener, I'm always talking about all these other animated shows, and so now I'm making Chris watch them, and our first show is Gravity Falls and yeah, I'm so excited. We're having a really good time. We're actually recording tomorrow for it, and I'm just telling it.
2: people it's worth subscri- it's worth paying for because someday, someday, you know, hope is gonna make me watch My Little Pony, and that's I know you guys are waiting to hear what happens when that happens. So well,
1: it, it, that My Little Pony is my last like resort. Well, <laughs> like i was gonna it say it's da- that's product.
2: what I'd say. I'm trying, I'm trying, hope I'm trying to hook them onto the long, the long haul here. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to trying trying try to keep them going just to just to hear me hit, hit hit the My Little Pony.
1: But our first episode is Gravity. Our our first show that we're doing is Gravity Falls. And we and if you need to watch Gravity Falls along with us, it's on Disney Plus. And so yeah. And you can also find me on archive of our own archive of our own under the name Chaos Lydia. So, oh my God, I have to do a Chaos Volution next week. Yeah. Uh, Get crackin'. Ooh! boy the long we,
2: episodes are going to be piling up here in the, <laughs> in the near future
1: I, I can't believe season four opens with like the first four episodes are two parters each and i'm just it's like season lying.
2: four is kind of a short season isn't it
1: it's 12 episodes but four yeah of the so episodes- like
2: literally if we did double episodes we would have a third of the season done in two episodes that's yeah crazy. that's I, crazy I, I,
1: I, I, it's kind of funny, because the second two-parter is a Saul Guerrera arc, and we've already made took the one two-parter Saul Guerrera arc and split into two episodes, and I kind of want to do it again, because that's on brand for us. Yeah, <laughs> up all the just Saul to Guerrera piss off Saul
2: episodes. Guerrera, yep. Yeah.
1: So, all right, you guys, see you next week.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: Oh, my God, my voice is so tired. <laughs>
2: We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks, with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes...